Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker of the Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. The PacePot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts. One that might interest you is a podcast about an after-school club that keep kids from getting in trouble on the streets. Yes, James B. Excellent idea. Listen as our hosts describe ways that adolescents can be valuable members of society by keeping the streets safe from um, other adolescents who are up to no good, robbing people, or lighting apartments on fire. Listen to Peter Parker Patrol. Peter Parker Patrol will be there on the double. Peter Parker Patrol. Peter Parker Patrol, wherever there is trouble. Saturdays at 10 a.m. on the PaySpot Patreon Peter Parker Patrol Podcast Network. Oh, what a what a clever line there for that podcast, James B. But this sounds like blatant vigilantism that could result in gang warfare. <laughs> Wasn't that what the Peter Parker Patrol did? I, yes, I guess you're right, James B. Jeez. <laughs> We're on our last book, James B. Uh, and it's the last one of the Sin Eater saga. The last of the Death of Gene DeWolf saga. Yes. And it's an excellent conclusion. There's themes about the justice system, vigilantism, and drugs, without blatantly saying the justice system is broken. People shouldn't take the law into their old hands. And drugs are bad. It is superb. Well, this book is from January of 1986. Woohoo! Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 110, All My Sins Remembered, The Death of Gene DeWolf, Part 4, by Peter David. Rich Buckler, and inked by M. Hans. Which I think is many hands, right? Many hands, James B. I was wondering if you'd catch that. <laughs> well, we, we begin where we ended. Sin Eater had shot the chair Betty was sitting in, but Betty is okay. She ducked below the desk, and Betty stabs Sin Eater with a paper opener, delaying her seemingly inevitable demise until Spider-Man crashes through the window <laughs> and pummels the helpless man shouting the name of his recently murdered friend, Gene DeWolf. Daredevil arrives and attempts to stop the beating, only to be thrown out the window. This hero fight continues as they both have valid points. So, incredibly, Daredevil beats Spidey all the way into unconsciousness. <coughs> but in case you now feel that Daredevil is stronger than Spider-Man, fear not. As Daredevil runs off, he reflects... What, Eddie? That the only reason he defeated Spidey was because Spider-Man was so emotionally worked up. This book could have easily ended here, but it continues. Back at the Jameson residence, we see Betty interviewed by the local news. The panels that follow show criminals, police, and the public jaded by the news of a lawman turned killer and saying things such as, First, you're not safe from the criminals. Now you're not safe from the cops. Yeah, I bet the other cops really knew, and they were covering for him. Wholly unaware of recent events, J. Jonah arrives back at the Bugle, where Peter explains how Spider-Man saved Joe Robbie and the staff from the fake Sin Eater, and how Spider-Man also saved Marla and Betty at J. Jonah's house from the real Sin Eater. I so enjoy how Peter gets to rub it in when he adds how he saved them at J. Jonah's house. Yeah, in some issues... That would be the most interesting part of the book, but you know, obviously not in this book. Uh, this book continues when Peter then gets a call from Aunt May. She's worried about her friend 
Ernie Popchik, who stormed out of her house disgusted and upset by the news about a murderous cop. As Ernie rides the subway, he grows ever more weary of the criminal justice system and emboldened to protect himself. Three young toughs try to jump him, but this time he brandishes his World War II revolver and he blasts them. They appear to be dead, but in a later issue, we will find out that they are not. Meanwhile, we're still going here. At police headquarters, we see two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents talking to the district attorney. They explain that Stan Carter, Sin Eater, was a test subject for a research and development trial using the hallucinogenic drug PCP. In a remarkably and super fascinating twist, the agents admit that it's possible his actions were from the effects of the experimentation and he could plead insanity. Thereby getting off free. Outside the police station, a mob gathers. Eddie, are they chanting this? Cook an egg, cook a goose, turn the demonstrators loose. (laughs) No, James B., it's not a protest, it's a mob. They are chanting justice and looking to kill Stan Carter. Daredevil, Spider-Man, watch the scene unfold nearby. Daredevil jumps into the frenzy, attempting to save the serial killer. Spider-Man looks on, uninterested in stopping the mob. As Daredevil is... Pummeled. Within the mob, Daredevil yells the name Peter, knowing this will get Spider-Man's attention. Spider-Man intervenes to save his horn-headed friend. Yeah, we will assume the mob didn't hear what Daredevil yelled, because this never comes up again. After saving both Carter and Daredevil, Spider-Man gets an explanation from Daredevil about how he knows Spider-Man's identity, while also telling Peter he is Matt Murdock. The two return to Peter's apartment, where Peter learns more about Matt's powers, and they both revel in the fact that they can now openly discuss their superhero and secret identity escapades. They are cut off when Aunt May calls and explains Ernie has been arrested for wounding three teenagers on the subway. Matt Murdock takes the phone and tells Aunt May Ernie will receive a free lawyer to protect him and prove to Peter the legal system works. One point, Peter says to Matt, Hey, that's some power. You could tell from my heartbeat that Spider-Man and I were the same person. What do you call that power? Matt Murdock replies, listening. Uh, we often get a big fight and the book is over. These multifaceted storylines all coalesce so brilliantly. From the perspective of reading all these books as an adult, this is got to be my favorite Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. Brilliant book. Hats off to you, Peter David. Yeah, there are some books that we are not going to disagree on. The Black Cat books uh, in the late 90s. This book here was was just great. I think before that I had enjoyed uh, the Gang War with the Owl and Doc Ock, book 75. But yeah, this is... this. I read this book twice, and both times I I couldn't believe how how good this book was. I turned the page thinking, like, why are there so many pages left? And and each time I turned the page, I was like, wow, this is super fascinating stuff again. (laughs) To have another person learn who Spider-Man is, let alone, you know, Daredevil. Oh, 
Well, I'm so excited about how things are going. Let's see if we can keep it up. From February of 1986, Stanley presents Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man 111 and Then the Gods Cried by Peter David, penciled by Rich Buckler. Did you just not write down the inkers ever? No, it says M hands. Many right. hands. So they get <laughs> inked by many hands. It doesn't, I can't even find credits for the many hands that ink the book. It just says many hands, like in all the things that I can find. So we need to credit those inkers, though, whoever that was. Uh, I have worse news for you, James B. You need to close Uh-oh. your ears. <laughs> The Beyonder is back. We can't get away from Secret Wars 2. (laughs) Well, Puma is stuck in Japan because the Beyonder teleported him there. Puma goes to see Murimoto, an old martial arts masker, and discovers the Beyonder is also there and has been talking with Murimoto. The Beyonder recaps his adventures and tries to tell Puma he's not a threat, but Puma won't have it. And insists on killing him. Yeah, you um, you didn't mention that Muramoto is talking about Duran Duran. <laughs> he says, "Hey, I'm busy listening to the new Duran Duran album." Now, Eddie, I was really a Duran Duran kid at this time. This, I'm oh. like 16. Okay, all right. But I have, I, I'm an expert on this. I got to tell you. There's no Duran Duran album coming out at this time. So Japan is either three years behind or they're like a whole year ahead. So it has to be 1983's Seven and the Ragged Tiger because Notorious is not going to come out until November of 1986. So I don't know what's going on here, but please continue with your, you know, Secret Wars 2 storyline. Ah, Puma. Heads back to NYC, where he can't convince Peter to help him, giving the main storyline a very distinct lack of Spider-Man. Boo. (laughs) Murimoto leaves his monkish ways to play in a punk rock band show at a club in New York City where Puma, Spider-Man, and the Beyonder fight. Murimoto is killed in the commotion, and Puma fails to kill the Beyonder. We end with some vague lesson about self-doubt that the Beyonder... (laughs) is confused by. <laughs> this guy, Miramoto, dies. And we don't even, we just move on. Yeah. Uh, he, he was dancing with reporter Joy Mercado. And he's liking her. He says like, man, this girl is incredible. How come I've never noticed her before? <laughs> Eddie, I'm calling it now. I think Joy Mercado is dancing with Peter at the club there the rock show that's In, the best thing this whole incorrect book. james b the best thing is mary moto's punk rock band he's like a, a grandmaster i mean i know he's listening to duran duran the first time we meet him but him on stage all like mm. with like a skull on his chest or whatever <laughs> well we can agree that peter parker the spectacular spider-man 111 the Beyonder was not the best thing in the book. Bringing us L- back down to earth. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to not see him in the next book, which is from March of 1986. Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 112, You Never Make a Sound, by Peter David, Mark Beecham, and Pat Reddy. No Beyonder, but we've got a smoking Santa on the cover of this book. It's from March, James B. This is an inauspicious start at best. 
why is this in March with Santa Claus? Yeah, Eddie, the March cover date is when distributors will remove it from the newsstands. So this probably came out in November, December. Really? Yeah, it's always like that. It's always three months off. Okay, all right, all right. That's why you have some problems with, like, when did Amazing Fantasy come out? Was it uh, coming out in... Has True. a cover date of this, but then it really gets oh, released. Stacey. It's always oh. about three months. Well, back in the eighties, at least, we're off by three months. I mean, I'm not okay. Sure today. We will not question your expertise, James P. In okay. a very much offbeat book, filled with many, many salaciously drawn women and much shirtless Peter Parker, we find out that the burglar Santa Claus from Peter Parker: The Spectacular Spider-Man one hundred eight and one hundred nine is still committing crimes. But when Santa runs into Spider-Man and somehow escapes, he goes straight and gives all his contraband toys to a toy drive. Although Peter struggled to find a place to be on Christmas, he finally figures out he needs to go see his dear Aunt May. The end. Hey, can you see in the show notes what it says next? Before I read what's in the show notes, this was not my favorite book. I found it a little confusing after my first read, but will admit I did not take a lot of time to go back and figure it out. <laughs> we could say I mailed it in. And then the show notes say, James B. explains what really happened with Aunt May and Evil Santa Claus. Yeah, I had to add this because like, like, what kind of summary was this? <laughs> it's missing a section of the summary and it's not even accurate. So I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> Peter's trying to connect with Aunt May over Christmas. And there's a moment where one of them puts the phone down and the other one's like talking and they don't hear each other. So there's some disconnect between are they actually going to see each other at Christmas? Like, you know, she she's stirring her pot and he's saying, if you don't want me to come, that's OK. I get it. And then she picks up the phone again. And he goes, well, I guess I'm not coming. Goodbye or something like that. And, you know, so there's like this. Oh, no, there, there's a disconnection. Also. Yes. The bad, the bad Santa Claus <laughs> at one point escapes up onto like the roof of a building as he's escaping yes. from being bad. And the real Santa Claus is up there, Eddie. <laughs> okay. The real one. Oh, okay. I'm just telling you what happened. This is a story. This is a summary. You want an accurate right, summary, right. right? Thank you. And the oh, real yeah. Santa Claus basically says like, hey... I've had enough of your nonsense. Last year I had to go through this problem because there was this other issue. And now I got you giving me a bad name. We're going to straighten this out. You know what I mean? So the real Santa Claus sets this guy straight, however he does it. And then at the end, when Peter goes to this Santa Claus, who's now the, the bad one, who's now being a good person. And he has... He's giving out Santa's real toys because they're like uh, wooden toys and all these handmade things. Okay, okay. Santa Claus said, here's a bunch of real stuff. Go out there and be a good Santa and give these to the public. So he's doing that. And then Peter walks up to him and he gives him a note and says, this is for you. Because Santa Claus gave a note to that guy and made and the note says, like, go see your Aunt May. So, like, the real Santa Claus is like a big part of the story, even though he's not in your well, I'm so glad there's this Christmas cheer that you're reiterating here because uh, I was slightly distracted by the <laughs> many, many salaciously, and by the way, salaciously, scantily clad, naked with very little covering areas that you would, you know, have covered in a comic book, uh, drawn women in this book. Let me let me start. James B., MJ, Candy, Bambi, Randy, Black Cat, Joy Mercado, Liz Allen, who's 
in a bra, maybe. <laughs> this is the Christmas cheer we are bringing to our young male readers, I guess. What? what? <laughs> okay, I will say this. Immediately from page one, I saw a girl's butt oh. right in front of me, and I was like, oh, this is a Mark Beach book. <laughs> and then I looked up, and it was a Mark yeah, Beach book. I, I was... Quick. Remember he did the annual Gene DeWolf in the yes. green dress? It, it, it caught, you know, quick flip of the flip of the next page for me. Like, all right. <laughs> okay, well, yes. Uh, next page. <laughs> I think you get worse as you go through the book, you know. But Joy Mercado kisses Peter, which you didn't mention. Um, but I, I didn't even notice Liz Allen in a bra. You had that line here in the notes. I'm like, where is that? I was searching all over the place because it's a very 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 tiny picture it's way far away in the far shot but technically it's there so good job finding that i didn't even notice that one it's really it's really mj that they really go to town on she's she's the one that they get really creative with sitting in a bubble bath with bubbles carefully placed and then getting out with her towel yeah, that was that was well, kind of crazy. There were a lot of great dated references. We got Madonna. We had Beepers. Optimus Prime. He's my guy. <laughs> uh, New Coke. Visions of Tom Selleck. Yeah, there's a great segment about the Beepers on page five. <laughs> He's talking about like having the Spikerman's thinking to himself, "Should I yes, get a beeper?" It's great. <laughs> and then, so it has it like in his dream sequence, and he's yeah. like, "Sorry, Doc Ock, gotta go. That's my beeper." And then he's like, "I know how it is. Us doctors have beepers too." It's like it's, it's really so well. off offbeat. Yeah, there were three more period moments you didn't mention. I just want to get them in real quick. There's a VCR yes. reference. There's oh, yeah. a, Sh- a Schwinn reference. I have a Schwinn still, but it's a reference. I bought mine in like '86, so that makes sense. And that Randy Robertson is married to a white girl and is afraid to tell his dad. Like, yeah, you might not think that's true. a big deal. Maybe today it's maybe people would think it's a big deal, but it would never be like this big a deal, probably, right? No, no. I think it's a little. It's definitely bigger in 1986 than it is here. Eddie, the cover does not look appealing. I thought this book was really entertaining, though. It was super entertaining. I. <laughs> I didn't give the the plot line much credence for all these other distractions that are constantly happening <laughs> all throughout it. Uh, but yes, I you know it, we move up from one one eleven. There's no beyonder, so definitely much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're are we done with the. Um, I think we're done with the Secret Wars two thing. But that Secret Wars one was Whoa. strange, but it didn't it didn't affect all the other books the way that Secret Wars two really right. has. Eddie, if people want to reach out to us and tell us that we missed some thing in one of these books, good, bad, or otherwise, how could they reach out to us? Email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or click on the link in this podcast description to join our Discord channel and connect with us through social media. And I'm James B. joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, that Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man is a division Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts. One that might interest you is a podcast where people learn to follow their dreams, listen to stories about how you can dance with Peter Parker in a club, and take his camera for pictures, and then kiss Peter Parker under the mistletoe. Join Joy Mercado in this seasonal podcast, Joy to the World, Sunday at 10 a.m. on the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. Oh, great pun in there, James B. Uh, I guess so. Peter, Peter's having a good time, so who could who could complain? <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.
mentioned in your uh, scantily clad women there that uh, <laughs> Bambi was one of them. Did yes. you see Bambi's a mom? She is. She took her kid to see Santa Claus. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, too. Uh, I might, it might have been a bigger shocker that Felicia Hardy was calling Peter Parker on the phone. Crazy. She doesn't actually talk to him, right? She hangs it up before he picks it up, right? Well, that gives us an excuse to have Felicia Hardy in the book for a minute so we can walk around with her in a bathroom right. or something. Right, salacious. <laughs> <laughs> the senator's at Jay Jonah's house, but uh, he's not there because he's in Florida at a conference. And then he comes back and he goes straight to the bugle. <laughs> he never even goes to his house. <laughs> Doesn't he want to know what his wife's housewife's doing at all? This is a this is a hardworking, dedicated <laughs> publisher, right? Terrible husband. <laughs> Straight to the bugle. 